Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the podcast, What Goes On in That Noggin. I am your host, Devin, and in this episode, we will be talking about the brain. Mainly the parts of the brain, how our brain makes memories, and it is a very complicated process. And how our brain takes in the surrounding information and makes that into a decision. We're also going to be bringing in different people as interviewees, and yes, that is the technical term, and they will give us their experiences that they have had involving memories and decision-making. So sit back, kick your feet up, and enjoy this day's episode. The first part of the podcast will be talking about the different parts of the brain. The three main parts of it being the cerebrum, the cerebellum, and the brainstem. Now, each one of those is responsible for its own separate set of tasks, such as the cerebrum. The cerebrum controls three of the five senses, which are sight, touch, and hearing, and it also controls the necessary reasoning that we use every day for life. And it's split into two different hemispheres, the two of them being the left and the right hemisphere. The left hemisphere is responsible for logical thinking, the right side of the body, which is very ironic, and problem-solving abilities. Now, the right hemisphere is responsible for the left side of the body, which, again, is kind of ironic. It's also responsible for creativity and the arts, such as music. And it's and on top of that, it is responsible for social interactions and speech abilities. And the second most important part of the brain is the cerebellum, which controls body movement in general. Whether it be just walking to the park or riding a bike, your, cere- your cerebellum is responsible for that. And next up is the brainstem, which controls all unconscious functions, whether that be breathing or heartbeat or sweating or anything like that, which are all essential to live in reality. He's here to join us and talk to us about the parts of the brain, because that's what we're talking about. Well, you've actually done a couple of, I think, a project on the brain. I have. So you've kind of covered some of this, so... Yeah. Can you recall the three main parts off the top of your head? Um, or the cerebrum, the cerebellum, yep. Yep. the brainstem. Yeah. Anywho, in your opinion, seeing as you've you kind of know some of um yeah. some of this, what what one in your opinion was like the biggest that you use in day to day life? The brainstem. Yeah, I would have to say that's pretty essential when you're breathing and your heart rate is coming out of that. But besides that, um, what when you were researching it, you said you focused on one more part. Was there, like, any specific favorite? I guess you can't really have a favorite part of your brain, but yeah. was there any specific, like, one that you pinned down? What do you mean? What do you mean by that? Just like that, you focused on mainly like all of your effort was going into the one. It was the one that I don't remember in that. Yeah, whatever. Necessary. You'll remember it after this. I guarantee that. 
The second part covered in this podcast talks about our brain and memories. Now, our brain is a very complex system, and there's no exception to memory making. To make a memory, our memory neurons in our brains build a bridge over a synapsis, which is kind of like a big gap, almost like the Grand Canyon, if you've ever seen that. And they build a bridge from itself to another memory neuron. Here's a fun fact for you. All animal brains go through the same process of making a memory when they are recalling one. So our brain can lose memories just as easily as we made them. And an example of this was an experiment done by K. Nader. I'm not sure if I'm getting the name right. Um, but he wanted to test if memories could be lost just as easily as they are made. The test was performed on rats, and it involved a white noise, a shock afterward if the rats moved, and food granted if the rats did not move. After a couple of experiences with the white noise, the rats learned to stay still. Then, Nader gave the rats a drug when whilst having them recall that memory of the white noise. And after future testing, the rats seemed to completely forget their memory of the white noise. But why did this happen? As I said, when animals recall a memory, they go through the same process of making one. The drug that Nader gave the rats was a drug that weakens the that lessens the amount of proteins flowing between the neurons. So when the neurons were not able to make this bridge, then the memory was lost. Another example of this is with PTSD patients. Uh experiment was given where the PTSD students had to PTSD patients, my bad had to read about their experience and then were given a drug afterward. Now, depending on what drug they were given, their memory weakened. Lesser or greater amounts, and it didn't really affect their life as much as it did before. And we're live with the next interview with Evan. Um, he's going to be talking to us about memories and, if I have this correct, swimming techniques, stuff like that. Yes. How is memory involved in all of what you do for that? For swimming? Yeah. Memory is involved in a lot of things. You have to remember your technique, how to stay tight in the water, you have to be good with flip turns, and basically everything is with memory. So memory's involved that much with it. Have you, like, have you sometimes forgotten things in the heat of the moment? Yes, because usually when you get in the water, it's really intense, and you start to forget things as things get more intense. Yeah. I I gotta give props to these guys. I don't know how they do this. Um, but, I mean, they do. But, like, has your memory ever, like, weakened to the point where you just completely blacked out on something and couldn't? In swimming, no. In real life, yes. My podcast covers part of the topic about brain altering. And I talked to you about this a bit beforehand about how our brain can kind of lose memories by inserting certain drugs that weaken the proteins to our neurons. Do you see any, like, potential for this in the future that we could use it for, or...? Not really. (laughs) Yeah, I guess this is kind of a complex thing. But do you see, like, that as a good or a bad thing? Do you have a specific standing for that, or...? 
I mean, I feel like it could be okay in different point of views. Yeah. Um, I think I mentioned in this podcast, yeah, I did, but about PTSD patients and how, um, and how they're faced with the different traumatic, um, memories that they have and how those memories can be weakened and the effect of them can be weakened. I also mentioned an experiment, an experiment about mice, but any specific thing that you want to talk to anybody about about I mean with these drugs I feel like if they get into the wrong hands this could be very bad yeah yeah um there's potential for that although right now there's not really much potential for brainwashing yeah that would the person would have to be willing to do that but anything involving memories that you like how to keep them in your head how to make sure you remember them my best way of remembering things that I want to remember is I try to recite it, like, every once in a while. Okay, that makes sense. But thank you, Evan, for joining us. I think that's all the questions I have for you. Okay. Yeah. Um, but thank you for joining us. I will try to get you on another podcast if possible. And we're live! Next interviewee person, Katie. Hi. She she already had a podcast. Yes. Go check out the Rainbow Orbs because it's pretty cool. It's on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, cool stuff. But she's here to talk to us about memories and in specifics, I believe, talking about like tests or homework or mm-hmm. memorizing in school or whatever. Mm-hmm. So have you ever lost like a memory while doing a test like trying to think of yes. how to do a certain thing yes it just you just completely blank you're like yeah, i know it, the concept i just can't think of how to do it yeah that the human brain yay <laughs> um but do you have any like advice to people on how to possibly like not blank you just have that? to get in the right mindset it's like for for example if you play a sport if you need to remember this certain move or certain drill, you just have to get in that mindset. You can't be off in La La Land singing a song. You have to just focus on it. And if you try, you will succeed. Katie is also a swimmer, like Evan. I interviewed him before yes. this person. So she would know a lot about that. Yes. Um, so, and I actually forgot to tell you this beforehand, but memories have the ability to be altered right now, but with taking drugs while the memory is being recalled so do you see any like possible future uses for that i think for maybe like if if you're looking at it from the criminal aspect you could i don't know like if you took a criminal you could say forget how to do this and forget how to do that and then Mm -hmm. (laughs) there there have actually been um there have been examples of using that in a judicial type mm-hmm. of a thing. They can bring back memories of people that they think may be guilty and see what they were doing at this sure. sort of a time, but mm-hmm. that's kind An of alibi. another thing that I talked about. Um, but do you have any like way of seeing that as like a good or a bad thing that can be used, or do you have a specific standing no. on that? I think it's cool as it is. I mean, so it's a huge advancement. You you didn't used to be able to look into people's mm-hmm. minds and you didn't used to be able to tell someone exactly where they were and right. wrong <laughs> by taking a brain scan of sure. them. But it because there have been some good and some possible bad uses. Right now brainwashing is kind of out of the picture. Mm-hmm. The person would have to be willing enough to do that. Yes. Because I mean, you don't will you don't 
forcefully get pushed into an MRI scanner. Yeah, you have to and consent to take that. a drug. It's like, <laughs> why would you do that? <laughs> why? Yeah. Um, but there have been some good um, examples I mentioned in this podcast. I hope I don't mess this up like I did. PTSD patients, yes, not students. Not students. I'm sorry for that. <laughs> um, but... PTSD patients, I almost said students, that's bad, (laughs) but they have had their memories, or the effects of the traumatic memories weakened by recalling that memory, reading about it, or whatever, and then taking a drug that weakens the, that influences the amount of proteins flowing between neurons, Mm -hmm. and then that just weakens the effect of the memory altogether, which... It has some good use. Um, it's also been tested on mice. I don't really know if that's good or evil. Who I, knows? Whatever. People have different preferences. Yeah. Any. It's not like they're cutting mm-hmm. the mice's tails off. Yeah. That'd be kind of <laughs> weird. Um, but any last things you want to say? No. This? I. No, not really. I mean, keep your brains healthy, kids. Don't yeah. do drugs. Don't do drugs. That. Um. But. <laughs> And join STEM if you can. If yes. you think you would like it. Please. There's actually an interview with Drew talking about STEM that STEM is but, amazing. But, um, yeah, this was Katie. Um, Thank you I for forgot what me. I was going to... Oh, yes. Um, any future podcasts, I'll talk to you, see if... All right. Um, I can hook you up with those. Sure. See if I can keep the same interviewees. That'd be kind of a funny thing yeah. to do. Now, the third and final part of this podcast, we'll talk about our brain taking in our surroundings how our surroundings are turned into information, and how we make decisions based on that information around us. Now, an experiment involving volunteers and making decisions was conducted, and each individual decision that the volunteers had to make was influenced by the efforts and the reward factor. And in most of the cases that the volunteers were given... The brain decided to make the decision that required less effort, but had a greater reward to it. And this is just the way that our brain is hardwired. Because back before we had all this modern technology, we had to expend the least amount of energy whilst still getting the necessary items that we needed to survive. And another experiment was that I have here. It took volunteers and tested the confidence factor and if that influenced and if that influenced sorry decision making and they found out that it does as a matter of fact it does quite tremendously the test subjects were put under a mri scanner or the volunteers sorry the volunteers were put under the mri scanner and a photo was gradually revealed to them as the photo was still developing, their brain activity was relatively low as they were trying to figure out what it was. But when the photo was recognizable, the brain activity spiked as well as the confidence. Now, that ability to make independent decisions may seem like a very human-specific trait. However, other animals, such as rodents or kangaroos or whatever, also have this ability. And we are alive. So, welcome our next interviewee, Mr. Bremberger. And he's here to talk to us about his experience of making a college decision. Which college to go to, so... Sure, yeah. Uh, 
obviously, picking a college is a very important decision in one's life, something that people shouldn't take lightly. Um, and personally speaking, I, I didn't take it lightly at all. Um, in picking my college, I was going for something that uh, was going to be the most comfortable um, because I was a, um, the first person in my family to, to go to college, my immediate family, or at least go away to a four-year school. So my parents were very insistent upon me finding somewhere that felt like home. Um, so I didn't come back home <laughs> once yeah. I got there. Uh, and something that, you know, it would be uh, a place where you could learn, you mm -hmm. know, and, and learn at high levels and not worry about other things that, that might impact yeah. your learning. So what exactly <clears throat> influenced you to choose a certain college over different ones? Right. So I was very big into sports when I was in high school. Um, into, I, I played four sports uh, at the varsity level, um, golf, baseball, football, and basketball, and was recruited to play all of them. And I did like, not know golf was a varsity sport. Sure, absolutely. Yeah, I played it for you four years. You learn something new every day. Right. So I, to me, it was finding a good fit for both athletics and um, and academics. So, I mean, initially it was going to visit places that were interested in me. Um, I, I was getting looked at by Division One schools, so bigger colleges and universities like um, UWM and Valparaiso, even Dartmouth was, was interested, which is an Ivy League school. They were interested in me going to play baseball there. Um, but for me, going to the East Coast was not a major you know, thing that I was really looking forward to doing. Uh, way too far away from home. Uh, so for me, there were, there were a lot of factors that I wanted to play. Um, how much they wanted me, could they provide me with any money to go there, uh, how comfortable I felt, how far away from home it was. Ultimately, I ended up choosing uh, Ripon College, which I think, well, if you're, if you're somebody that, you know, was, was being looked at uh, as a, a potential Division I athlete, why did you choose a Division three school? So a much smaller school, different level of athletic competition. Uh, and the answer for me was, was simple. Number one, I was really interested in science, and I got an opportunity to sit down with some of the science professors uh, when I went there, which I didn't get a chance to do at some of the other schools and I really liked them. Uh, they were very, I mean, very nice people, very engaging people, uh, and one of them ended up being my advisor and somebody that I, I looked at as like a total role model as an educator. So obviously something had to happen between the varsity and now you're at teaching, so looking back with hindsight, would you have done anything differently there? Uh, I might have. Uh, well, when it come, I think I maybe jumped into, like, I may have settled on a career choice too soon. 
Um, not that I don't like teaching, but uh, I, I feel as if I maybe could have went other or maybe could have explored other directions before I became a teacher. There's a lot of people that have the degree that I have uh, sometimes kind of fall back into teaching. You know, they with a biology degree, they go and they'll try some work in a lab or try some, you know, different fields of, of employment. And if those don't work out, then there's always teaching. But, I mean, educating and coaching was always uh, a, a high, high on my to-do list uh, as an 18 to 22-year-old. So and it was just, it was a natural fit for me. Um, one I don't regret, but, you know, there's always a thought in the back of your head that, you know, well, well, could things have been different? Mm -hmm. So but ultimately, I probably would, have, would not have ended up here if I, yeah. you know, chose a different Probably. Path. Now I can just see you working in, like, a biology lab with beakers and all that. You know, that would be really boring, I think. But, yeah. But then again, it, it may not be. Mm -hmm. uh, ultimately, again, I'm really happy with the decision that I made to become a teacher, and I'm um, very happy with uh, the path that I've taken. It's led me to, you know, be able to build some really uh, amazing relationships with people, uh, students and staff, that have made it all worth it. Mm -hmm. um, and again, tough decision, you know, from the get-go. I mean, obviously a lot of a lot of factors played into it, but I mean, I would say the ultimate reason why I chose the place that I chose was probably not for academics. It was more for athletics uh, and has everything to do with the coach that I would have been playing for. Uh, very charismatic, uh, older gentleman that reminded me so much of, like basically if you were to take the best attributes of my grandfathers and put them together, it was this man. Um, and he's uh, a legend in the sport um, and like I, I wanted to go I wanted to go learn from him but I ultimately didn't have that opportunity because I got hurt but um, that was one of the main reasons why I, I chose to go to that school so then obviously the college that you went to affected your teaching or your career choice somewhat if you could have gone to any other college do you think that would have affected your career at all or it might have um, I mean, if you think about the different courses that you take, and the different instructors that you come across, the different experiences that you have within those courses, uh, it may have shaped me differently. I mean, I feel as if you know, any educational experience has the ability to shape you uh, in a variety of different ways. I mean, you, as, as humans, we're all shaped by experience. So if I had different experiences, who knows where I would have ended up. Anything you want to recommend to future college goers or high schoolers or whoever? Yeah, take your time uh, on that decision. Weigh, weigh as many different factors as you can. Um, think about what might be important to you down the road. Uh, and maybe try and prepare yourself in a way that kind of has those future interests in mind. I mean, it's really tough to do as a, as a 17, 18 year old. I like to think of what you might want to want to become later in life, um, but you know what? You want to choose a place that 
you know, fits as many kind of needs for you as, as you possibly can. My brother's actually going to um, for engineering, technical engineering, and right now he is not, he's happy with the decision he made, not very happy with the work he has to do, mm -hmm. but I guess that kind of comes with the different classes that you take for that, but thank you. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, going back and uh, having to do it all over again, you always might make some decisions differently. That's, uh, that's why they say hindsight's 2020, right? Yeah. So. But thank you for sharing your experience with us. And, well, we'll see you possibly in future episodes of this, I guess. Yeah, I'd love to come back. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks this, for having me. It's been great. Mm -hmm. This has been a fun experience for everyone involved in it. This, this type of a thing is something that you may only get once in your life. Maybe a couple times, depending, but... Sure. But, yeah, it was nice to host you, and we'll see you again, possibly. We are live. Yay. The next interviewee person, Drew. But, anywho, might as well get this officially started. So, what exactly is running through your mind when you're making these project ideas? I know most recently... You had one about um, technology, and somewhere in there was terms and conditions. What what goes through your head during all of that? Um, basically, I just choose what would be like interesting, kind of what I wanted to learn more about. So in this case, um, like pretty much every website ever had like terms and conditions and privacy policies, and like all these ways that they collect our data. So I just wanted to. Um, kind of learn more about what those actually do and what they mean. You have any quick facts for us about that, or? Um. Well, let's just say that um, Google knows everything about you, so oh, that's oh. fun. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Duh, no. 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 Bueno. <laughs> um. But, anywho, what really? Looking back at some of these project ideas, have you had any, like, hindsight about it? Like, oh, I could have done this differently about it, or, like, I could have done a different project? I mean, yeah. Um, like, there was one... There was one project where me and this other uh, student were making a book, and, like, a, like an actual full-size book. Oh, and so... We wanted to tie something into it that would be science-related, and we didn't know how to do that. So we decided on one thing, but then it got really hard to try and incorporate that kind of into our project. So, um, yeah, it wasn't um, the best idea, but we made it work, and it, it turned out fine, but it just took more time. Yeah, that has kind of come up with some of mine as well, I think. Um, I've never had anything like writing a book, although writing's a, writing a children's book would actually be kind of funny <laughs> for a future project, <laughs> just trying to come up with ideas for that. But anywho, so some of these decisions that you've made, they have they ever really affected your future decisions for projects? Like, this went really well, so I'm going to try to base other projects off of this topic or... Well, yeah, so um, mostly for my 
creative product that I had to make. Um, I learned uh, more about coding in my first project, and then I used like coding into my project, not necessarily like about my project, but into my project in later ones um, that I did. So yeah, definitely um, that one decision helped a lot of the other ones. And you were in STEM last year, right? Yes. So, so then before it was STEM, it was just the academy. Oh, so, yeah, 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 that's right. How did last year affect you, seeing as you kind of got that jump start on all the 6th and 7th graders yeah. from there? So um, basically a lot of it was um, adapting because it was a, it's, like there were a lot of things last year that was the same, but there was also a lot that was different. And then also having to be in such a big room. Like last year we had 20 kids in the room for like all of it. And now we have 60. So that's a bit of a change. And um, uh, there was a lot more steps that were added this year to try and incorporate ELA into different things. So yeah, um, it was interesting to adapt to, but... Uh, Overall, I think it turned out. So, for anybody that's looking into STEM, do you have any, like, specifications for, like, people that should join if they like this, they might be interested in it, or anything for that? Or? Yeah, definitely. Um, so, I think that uh, it's not, it isn't for everyone. Some people don't like it, it's not for them. You know, like, it's not the ultimate solution, but for people who, like, just pretty much any hands-on things or if you're thinking about going into like in the future for like your job or something like that if you're thinking of going into like uh any technical thing whether it's like computers or building or anything that really requires to you to like use your hands or use your brain in like a big way then stems probably for you okay um and also do not join this class unless you're good with time management i've learned that the <laughs> yes. hard way the first yes. couple of projects that for i sure. did but yes thank you for joining us and sharing this experience anything anything else you want to say or not really thank you Devin. yes <laughs> yes that is this interviewee And with all of that covered, I believe that's all. Now, our brain is an amazing thing that we take for granted on a day-to-day -day basis that is very essential for life. Without it, we could not live. And this podcast only covered a small portion of what goes on in our brain. And many more experiments are, being, are taking place as I speak that are focusing on our brain and how, it, how different people can possibly tap into that memory. Now, some reasons for that may be bringing justice to a court, or as I mentioned before, weakening the effects of a bad memory on a PTSD patient. But with all of that covered, I will see you in our next episode.